Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the podcast that looks at the money behind the beautiful game. I, I can't look at Kieran at the moment because he's smiling at me and he has a lovely smile and it's I'm bashfully turned my eyes away as we stare at each other across the table. It's it's a Monday, Kieran, so it's it's questions today. How are you? How was your weekend? I'm um, um, very good. Uh, yeah. Big match uh, big match with West Ham to deal with, but uh, I'll see how I cope with that. Yes. Uh, well, yeah, I don't really know who I want to yeah. I want both of you to lose that one. I, I thought that would give you a dilemma. <laughs> uh, coming up on, uh, it's a, usually a bit shorter, but it's not always the case. Mysterious transfer fees, the championship TV deal and how to own a football club in Germany. Now, first question, and remember, new, new listeners will know that on Monday we're driven entirely by your questions. Uh, William Powers, hello William, says, what do the guys think? And as we know, whenever they say that, they mean, what do you think? <laughs> But they're being polite and asking what I think about it as well. But what do the guys think of, of crowdfunding in the game? And in particular, he talks about the Tifosi shares here with Stevenage and a bond issue at Norwich as well. So is is it a way, he says, of just getting fans to, to foot more of the bills or is it a way of getting fans involved? It's not something I'm particularly au fait with. So give us a brief explanation of... Well, this, this all started off with Norwich City having something called the Canary Bond. And... Um, what what the club did, it said, can you lend us money and we will pay you 8% interest. Now, 8% interest is, is pretty good. Mm. And we will also repay you in five years' time. And it was actually quite a generous deal from Norwich. So they were going to give you 5% interest in the form of cash, plus a further 3% that you could spend in the club shop on merchandise, on, on mm. the, the catering stalls and so on. And if Norwich were promoted within the five years, you got a 25% bonus. So Norwich did go up at the end of last season. So everybody who committed to the club, and this was to pay for um, upgrading Norwich's training facilities. Right. So it's worked really well. If you talk to any of the people involved, they feel that if, they, if you've got a fan who is reasonably wealthy, but not wealthy enough to to really invest in a football club you could put in a grand you could put in five grand or whatever um and uh you know the feedback that i've heard is that the fans have been very happy with it clearly they've got their bonus as well but Mm. they see that you know that money in theory has been ring fenced towards that particular project and i think that's a really important thing as opposed to going into a general pot i was going to say legally are they obliged to crowdfund does it have to be for a specific purpose or could a club say we need 30 grand, can we crowdfund it just for administrative costs, running costs? 
etc. The, the, in the club can can crowdfund for any particular purpose that they that they right. so choose. Um, so in, as far as Stevenage is concerned, it's simply to to upgrade their ability to to survive in League Two um, and ideally to push up that division. Um, you know, the owner has gone to to the fans and says, "Look, between you, do you think you can get a, a million pounds? Because that would make a significant difference." The owner um, has been generous historically over the years, mm. but he says, "I think it's it's quite." useful for fans to experience what he goes through in that if you're writing out a check for 20 or 30 grand in league two or if, if we move up to the championship you've got people writing out checks for half a million pounds a week that's quite painful even if you are rich so to have that uh, to to a lesser extent for fans who are far less wealthy i think you, what the owner's getting is right now now you're sharing my pain so stop get off my back a remarkable club, Stephen. It's so 1976. They were literally playing football on Saturday afternoon in the park. So their their rise to the Premier to the the, the football league has been remarkable. So to to answer William's question, you think it's actually a, a good thing? It's not something that will be used cynically by club owners. It it comes down to the quality of of ownership and the quality of management at an individual club. Um, if if you listen to the airwaves last summer, you had Steve Dale at Berry effectively trying to do the same thing on an informal basis yeah. um and frankly uh, he he's a man who i would i would not put out if he was on fire yes uh, we've we've very much had that impression he's he's probably the name that's cropped up in most of our social media traffic as the example the bad example of how to run a football club uh, our next question comes from somebody i know uh, this is from harrison we all call him harrison uh, he probably has a first name but it doesn't really matter harrison is the uh, a floor manager on TV shows. Uh, he's very bald. He's very handsome. He's a Bournemouth fan. Not necessarily related to any of those things. But Harrison has asked us a, a, a very interesting question, actually, for this time of year. And it, I have to say it's not something that ever occurred to me, even though it's something we look at every time we read the newspapers or look at Sky Transfer News. And why, why are some transfer fees undisclosed? And who are they being undisclosed from? Well, they're being undisclosed from from the general public. They right. still have to be registered at the Football Association, the Premier League, the EFL, and so on, um, because there's VAT issues involved in them. So the taxman will get to know those details as well. From the uh, the reason why it's undisclosed is sometimes it's actually to do with the player. Um, if, if a player is joining a club, he, he doesn't want to know that he's a thirty million pound signing, and equally, he doesn't want fans to know that he's been signed for ten grand because people form opinions on the price of a player rather than his actual ability. So it could be that actually it's in the best interests of the player. The other reason is that, as we know, we're presently in, the, in a transfer window, mm. and, um, and it, which has just finished uh, as, as we record this yeah, show. Yeah. But if you've well, signed... Re- well remembered. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, if you've signed three players already in the window and they're all undisclosed fees, it means that whilst people have got a rough idea, um, the rest of the market and agents, they say, well, we think they've probably spent £20 million, but you could have spent 40 or you could have spent 10 Now, the more that people don't know 
how much money you spent. It's like what you're doing when you're constantly buying and selling. It's a game of poker. Mm. And the more that you can hide in terms of having a poker face through the less that people know about you, the stronger position you are when it goes to signing your next deal. If, if, if a club thinks that you've just signed a load of free transfers or you've expressed that you've signed a load of free transfers and you're then trying to sign a player for a fee, they're going to say, well, we know that you're, you're loaded. We're going to try to screw you for it. If, if people think, oh, that one could have been four million and five million and so on, it means that when you go to the negotiation, you say, well, look, yeah, we've signed all these players. It's cost us a lot of money. We, we're not going to tell you what. And the other person might go, well, OK, I'm going to drop the fee I'm demanding from the sale of our player. So it's a bit of cat and mouse. It's all to do with game theory and negotiation mm. theory, which all the type of nonsense that we teach uh, at university uh, in terms of business management and strategy. Is, is there a chance then that when it says undisclosed fee, it could be a free transfer? Yes, very much so. Oh, OK. Um, I, I've, oh, I've, I've accidentally asked an, asked an intelligent question good um because i've seen fees quoted in transfer market who normally try to guess them um and then i've actually been in contact with a club or a club's been in contact with me when i've quoted that and they said um by the way we can now say that that was a free transfer um and you know could you could you change the stuff which i'm putting out on social media and so on so it it certainly could be that that particular scenario harrison thank you for the question i'll see you next thursday Uh, zach clark this is a, a, an interesting one, of course. Hello, Zach. Thank you for your question. It, it, increasingly, it appears, he says, that championship clubs seem to be unhappy with the Sky deal. There have even been suggestions of a championship breakaway, which would be an interesting one. How bad is the deal, Is it, if it is bad? And is it, is it worth getting promoted out of League One for? Um, let's separate that out. Is it, uh, is it a bad deal? Um, I don't think so. I, I think that many of the clubs in the championship have an elevated opinion of their self-worth. How many people actually want to watch uh, Queen's Park Rangers versus Reading? Other clubs are available as an example. Yes. Um, So in terms of the viewing figures, the viewing figures tend to be low both domestically for football of that nature, but just as importantly these days, overseas viewers, um, the EFL struggle to get a, a good price for their product because you're either in the Premier League, you know, that's very much where it's at. Yeah. And we even know within the Premier League, you know, the viewing figures are being driven by the appeal of the elite clubs. So you can understand the position of the owners of clubs such as Leeds and Forest and Derby because they all get they all sell out their grounds mm. every week but actually the the broader audience isn't there and if you take a look at the if you're, if you're getting 200,000 people watching you on on Sky uh, that's not actually going to be particularly appealing to advertisers either compared to the numbers that you'll get on, on terrestrial TV or even compared to the numbers that Amazon were getting when, when, they, yeah. when they put their stuff out for free. So the, the deal isn't great, but it's, uh, we're living in, in the post-ITV digital world where there was quite a lucrative deal and the people offering it went bust. We've also seen, to give an example of how um, overseas uh, broadcasting works, that the people who had the rights for La Liga 
um, here in the UK, they effectively went bust because they had to stop transmitting because the the, the number of subscribers was so ridiculously low. Right, right. And now we have La Liga TV, which I presume they're going to probably try to effectively give away the product and build up the popularity of it in the same way that the Premier League did when it uh, started football in 1992. It's, it's interesting to hear you say that the deal isn't that good because Sky really throw the book at it. It's, all, it's very bells and whistles. They would sell the championship as the second best league in the world and they? they sell it as the the passion and there's a game every well, every weekend and, then, and midweek. So it's interesting that the financial deal is not that good. So to answer the second point of Zach's, Zach's question, you know, if you're coming out of League One, obviously you want to do that, but the championship deal isn't a particularly enticing reason for you to get promoted. If 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 you look at uh, the Premier League deal, that's between uh, about ninety eight to one hundred and fifty million pounds, depending on where you finish. If you take a look at the deal between the uh, EFL and Sky, it's worth around about two point three million pounds per club, plus you get appearance fees. So you get oh, appearance okay. fees of a hundred grand for a hunt for a home fixture, and ten grand, I think, if you're the away club. So that so the gap is huge. But if if the deal is as bad as the EFL clubs are claiming, then why hasn't another broadcaster come in and say, right, well, we're going to trump that um, and offer you something better because we've got space to fill. Nobody's bidding for it. And remember, the only people that ever did bid for it have now gone bust. And I suppose as well, the last point on this, that appearance thing is quite interesting. But if you're a club like Luton, who got promoted end of last season which is when people tend to get promoted at the end of the season (laughs) essentially they're only on when they play Derby and Leeds and Forest aren't they so they will probably be on three four times a season whereas Derby Leeds and Forest will be 10 12 each so for them as in as at every level of football the bigger clubs get more money they do Um, and also I think from Luton's point of view um, and and I mean the guys that run Luton are, are are pretty cool. I mean, I've got a lot of admiration for them, the way that they're trying to to uh, move to a new ground, how they're trying to expand and so on. So I've got a lot of time for them, especially given given that they were in the National League not all that far. If you think they're cool, they are cool. <laughs> if the Barons thinks the football club owners are cool, well, yeah. Um, and I think they're, they're, they're actually good guys to get on the show at some okay. point. Okay, I, th- cool. I think they'd be quite amenable to that. So I'm, so I'm saying that for more than one reason. Yes, absolutely. Well, if they're listening, come on the show. That'd be nice. And maybe it won't be in my back room. <laughs> I would, I, would, I would hate to think of the directors of Luton having to come and sit in my back room while a grumpy cat stares through the window at them. Um, Alan Alcock has asked a question. Uh, this is one that you will understand more than I did. I had to read it a couple of times to get it in my head. Uh, basically what Alan's saying is that financial fair play rules fall down because they don't seem to factor in club debt. Is that correct? So uh, is there a reason why debt doesn't incur sanctions? Yeah, but de- debt's not a problem. I mean, oh. it... it, it Debt's not a problem. It's it's meeting your debt repayments is a problem. I see. So okay. provide and the debt repayments uh, sometimes they'll be pushed back. So if we take a look at Spurs uh, borrowings, so Spurs have borrowed I think six hundred and thirty-seven million pounds, and um, that's not due for repayment until twenty thirty-seven. So till when twenty thirty-seven, and it's interest only. So it, it's the equivalent of taking out a mortgage now, just paying the interest on it. Provided you can service that that interest cost, it, it's not an issue. That's so the interest cost does count for FFP, 
but the the actual amount of the mortgage itself uh, doesn't. I see. I see. Well, just as a point of interest, what happens in 2037 if Tottenham haven't got the money to pay the whole thing back then? Well, what what will happen is they'll just reschedule the loan. They'll just kick it down the road. Oh, I see. That's what Manchester United have done oh, with theirs. Okay. So, and, and that is very common in the world of finance because as far as the banks are concerned, Spurs are paying the, the, money, the money each month, every quarter, whenever it's due. You know, why get rid of that loan? If we can extend it for another 15 years, then we've got another 15 years worth of interest coming in from a, from a reputable club. You're a genius. You know that. I would never have thought that. This episode of The Price of Football is brought to you by the AI-powered workspace Notion. What if you had access to tomorrow's tools today? In Notion, you do. It's the AI-powered workspace where any team can turn ideas into action. My career is sort of a bit like being a butterfly, and I'm always jumping from project to project. So therefore, Notion helps me from summarising meetings notes and automatically generating action items to getting answers to any question in seconds. If you can think it, you can make it. And Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company or a freelance football finance lecturer. You can try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash price of football. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash price of football and start turning ideas into action. That's notion.com slash price of football. Hi, I'm Steve Lamarck, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insights, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. Uh, last question comes from Jordan Donaldson. Now, I'm very keen to answer this question because I think like a lot of football fans, we always assume that German football is better, basically. Like financially better, better for fans, better atmosphere, better facilities, etc. But Jordan's question basically addresses that. Jordan wants to know what the difference is between our rules on ownership and the Bundesliga rules on ownership and is it because of their rules? Why does everyone hate RB Leipzig in German football? Right. Well, let, let's just separate out those effectively two questions. Under the, um, under the German Bundesliga rules, no one person is allowed to own more than 50% of a club unless they've had a relationship with the club for at least 20 years. So if you look at Leverkusen, they're, they're, they're connected to uh, the Bayern by a chemical company. Yeah. If you look at Wolfsburg, they've got close links to uh, VW and so on. So... It doesn't work perfectly, but it, it certainly it puts off um, all of the stories that we're seeing. So, for example, this morning I was looking at a, a story in one of the newspapers. Somebody's going to bid £340 million for Newcastle United, and it's a mysterious consortium from the Middle East or China or, or Indonesia. It would put those people um, off. So because they wouldn't be able to control the club. You need to have more than 50% of the shares. So Germany say that 51% of the shares must be owned by unconnected individuals, effectively. Um, So in general, that's a good thing, isn't it, I'm thinking? I I, I think so. If if you take a look at the comments which are coming from um, 
German football executives, but also German fans, they say that uh, German football is so embedded in our culture that we do not want to sacrifice that, even if we could be better off financially. So that's the position in respect of... Um, and also German football fans are very, in general are very well organised club to club, aren't they? And, and not more passionate than English football fans, but probably more capable of taking, making a concerted effort to stop somebody trying to take over their football club. That's right. I think yeah. they're good at making decisions and, and historically they've always been good at taking orders as well. So um, that's, that's an old school one. <laughs> Proper old school verse. They do. Let's, let's just redress that by saying they do have a sense of humour, though. Oh, very. But I, I, I love. I mean, I, I teach in Frankfurt, and I, I, I love teaching over there. They're really I, great kids. I would. I would recommend anybody if you can afford it uh, to get yourself on a, a budget airline and go to a football match in Germany if you can, because it's a fantastic, a fantastic experience. And also, they're so pleased to welcome non-German fans as well that you you probably won't have to buy a beer when you're there. But yes, but. They are good at taking orders, yes. Then the trains do run on time, yes. <laughs> so here, here we've got the uh, Borussia Dortmund chief executive saying, football is the glue of our society. And that's coming from a chief executive. Now, really? if, if you look at the executives of, of Premier League clubs, it's they're very much geared towards looking after the interests of the owners. Yeah, Ed, Ed Woodward's not going to use phrases like football is the glue of our society, is he? Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Even though fans would love to hear him say that and would be taken in by it for long enough to, for him to make some more bad decisions on their behalf. <laughs> that's so, right. So, you know, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a different model to ours. It's, it's a, are there any other significant changes in, in uh, the significant differences in German football to us? I think I think that's that's the main one. It is is the ownership model, right. and, and that filters through. What about their broadcasting rights? Is that fairly distributed? You know, the, well, they they are they are reasonably broadcast, reasonably democratic in the way that that's done. Again, the money's in the Champions League. The 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 the, the German uh, domestic deal isn't particularly lucrative. Huddersfield Town last season, who finished bottom of the Premier League, they earned more money than. Bayern Munich did for winning the Bundesliga and yet Germany has a bigger population yeah. than, than, than the UK so you know that just shows the, the power and the success of the Premier League and, and you know whilst we, we give give the Premier League stick at times that they have been very yeah. clever and smart in, in the way that they've uh, they've generated the money and the way that they've distributed the money is is relatively democratic too and to answer Jordan's last question the IB the RB Leipzig Right. Um, the reason why Germans and they and it, it, this applies to the boardroom as well as the fan base. Oh, okay. So, so you, um, if if you think about the way that some clubs feel or some fans feel towards MK Dons here, and multiply that by ten, that's where we have the position of um, RB Leipzig. What happened was that they originally the the uh, the Red Bull people they took over a club called SSV Markradstadt. Uh, who were in the fifth division of German football, and they just pumped money in. So eventually, they they quickly accelerated their way through to uh, the Bundesliga themselves. And at present, they are sitting on top of the Bundesliga. Mm. They're actually ahead of Bayern Munich. Now, you would think under most sets of circumstances, but Bayern have won the Bundesliga seven years in a row. There's only been four clubs this century that have won it. You would think that a, a new kid on the block most fans would react probably in the way that fans reacted to Leicester, Leicester yes, yes, in 2016. Yes, yes. Absolutely not. Because the fan base feel that um, 
uh, Red Bull have circumvented the rules. And the way that they've done this is, I've told you that, that 51% of the shares have got to be um, owned by private individuals. Uh, the, the football club has priced those shares at such an exorbitant price that nobody can afford to buy them. So as a consequence, Red Bull have effective control. So it's all done very sneaky. And then um, when you think about, well, well, are there issues in terms of naming a football club after a brand? Mm. Because why is it not Carlsberg, Manchester United? That is prohibited under German football rules. And then they're going, well, hold on, RB Leipzig, where does that come from? According to the paperwork, the RB stands for Rasenballsport rather than Red Bull. It just so happens to have the same initials. So the the German fans, they they resent this. They feel that uh, they don't like the the way that the club is operating, um, just as there is resentment, as we are seeing in the championship, with clubs circumventing the rules in respect of selling grounds to themselves yeah, so it's causing uh, it's causing it's causing bad feeling um, and that bad feeling is being expressed um, in German society from the boardroom down to the fan base um, if, if you talk to a German fan about RB they say they're the only club in the country that have customers rather than fans you know so it, it's that sort of that that dripping sarcasm uh, approach so that's that's the rationale behind uh, that particular relationship and, and just a, a bit of context for people listening to this what sort of size fan base have RB Leipzig got I mean what what crowds do they get um I, I don't I don't know those details right. unfortunately I'll, but uh, again compared to the established clubs they are trying to find their feet so they don't tend to travel away for things like that you know with you know, the sort of the the that that relationship where we have it, it's home and away um for for an RB fan of a first generation, I think as the kids are coming through, it's becoming less of an issue. Is, is that there's far less of that uh, that close relationship. Well, thank you for that question, Jordan. If you have questions for our special Monday pods, uh, send them into uh, priceoffootball.com. dot uh, com. If you have reviews, good ones, you know where to leave them to make our producer happy. Uh, this has been Adapt Dip Production, and we will see you again on Thursday. The price of football. I'm for the